know, there's like conscious centers that are happening, and this is part of a larger construct in the matrix, the network, the one mind coming online. It has central points to do certain missions, and one of those points here in, in this area is to bring together higher conscious people to speak the light language, to begin to communicate at a higher frequency, and having these conversations is extremely important. This is Season 6, Episode 4 of Beyond the Illusion. Astrology Update with Shannon Gill and Russell von Olhausen. I know from what you said at the beginning of the year, because there was like so many things going on this year. And here we are, we're past the halfway point of the year. Before we talk about all this the stuff for the remaining of the year, I kind of just wanted to check in with you guys about the first half of the year, you know, because you get the themes of things, but then you never know how it's exactly going to play out in the collective, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious, like, what do you see are the key kind of things of how the astrology played out in the first half of the year? What did you see? Yeah, you know, it's been really interesting. I think I feel like we're sort of in this slow grind. There's been some particular aspects, for example, uh, one of the aspects that most of the astrologers were really anticipating there being this big, you know, momentous historical event came and went where I saw a lot of ripples locally, but not as much on the global scale. And that was actually the August 1st conjunction of Uranus on the North Node uh, with Mars. And so we were all really thinking of, of that being something that we would definitely, that would impact because Uranus, of course, is the storm, you know, it's the lightning bolt and it rules, it's the planet that rules the new age, the new age of Aquarius and coming into exact conjunction with the North node, which the nodal acts again is the destiny line. And it has to do with the karmic future and the collective consciousness. And then Mars is like, like bringing fire to the lightning bolt. And, um, and one thing that I've sort of settled into, or I'm pretty much aware of is that some of the times these bigger aspects, they unfold over time and they're not necessarily just these huge impactful uh, occasions. Like uh, for example, here in uh, Texas, we had, you know, we were having all those fires. So that's an example of an explosive result of these, these aspects. And then there was definitely a lot of, I think, personal people going through a lot of awakening and a lot of, um, like from where we're sitting, it's interesting. Life is taking on even more and more magic. You know, we're kind of honing our skills at being creators yet. We understand that things are evolving globally, but it's, you really have to be paying attention to see what's going on behind the scenes. Well, on that point, one of the, the aspects that, that I saw interesting that directly related to what events that had began earlier in the year, which we'll get into in just a second, is the Mars conjunct Uranus, if you look at it as a marshalling of, of war and actually Uranus being an aspect of nuclear war. So if you've noticed it previously, around, that, around August 1st, 
And just prior to that, there was a there has been a buildup of discussion about actual nuclear war in the Ukrainian theater. I don't know if you've kept up with this news or not, but this has led to a point. And these are the two aspects of these symbols. Now, going back to what I think you're part of the question was, was, you know, how does what we talked about earlier in the year, how has it played out? One of those things has been the war. So I believe earlier in the year before the war began, and we predicted this a little bit last year because of these transits, that you would see a marshalling and this would there would be a crackdown in certain countries, which we have kept up with. And there's a lot of crackdown still going on in Australia and other places. But what we saw and spoke specifically to was, was a, seeing a war actually come to fruition. And then as we've talked about it, that it's going to continue to escalate. So we predicted this last year that this area, this theater, this which we haven't been under like this since World War II. Now we're under the threat of a Western European war. You know, so it has been a long time since we've seen this, but you can see it indicated in the stars and we spoke directly about it and it's not going to come to an end anytime soon. So you're going to see this continue <laughs> to um, advance and escalate. This is part of a larger plan that goes deep into uh, a lot of what we're seeing with conspiracy theory and things like that. There's, there's, there's method to what's happening and it is aligned with the stars and it's going to intensify. So the, one of the indicators with August 1st was that you're seeing more of a pressure build. You know? Yeah. And I mean, like on that note, I don't know if you guys caught that there was actually a civil defense video that was distributed in New York, New York City about how to prepare and how to manage a nuclear attack. Yeah. And they created this whole video and they put it out to in on the mainstream media. So that like things like that are signifiers of the fact that things could continue to escalate yet we're not being exactly given all of the facts on the mainstream media? There was a big joke about this. You'll, you'll see it if you look it up as of several weeks ago, because the, the PSA uh, announcement ended saying, you got this, as if <laughs> this is coming, right. be prepared, and you got this, we're going to nuclear war, they may blow up New York. It's like, but it's all going to be good. And it's like, okay, this is a weird scenario, but it's happening now. They're putting out PSA announcements in other parts of the country about the actual threat of a nuclear attack on our soil. Yes, that's massive. And then of course, the food shortage issue, right? That is something that we talked about in January that has continued to intensify and become even more predominant and serious. And again, unless you are tuning into alternative news, you're probably missing some of the the severity of it. But, you know, food production plants blowing up. I mean, how many was it that were? I think we're in near 30 uh, globally major food production sites and many in this country that produce, um, uh, that process uh, raw foods, grains, and that process meats, things like that, that we've seen uh, we're at our lowest point that we've been. And, and this also, we see mysterious refinery incidences happening, including the ones in free, here in Texas. This happened here and one in Oklahoma. So we're losing our, process, our ability to process raw goods into the commodities that we need. And one of those, of course, is food. And we had talked about this earlier in the year, that what we saw in 2020, 2021, it's going to continue globally. It's going to echo out and we're going to see more of that come back to us here. I think we, we will uh, later in the fall. Uh, and the astrological correlate to that, of course, is the shift of the nodes into Scorpio Taurus. So Taurus is our food. It's our security. It's the earth. It's our money. And Scorpio, the polarity point, the south node is devastation of, it's loss of, it's corruption of. So it is um, 
you know, with the nodes, it's sort of like, well, the intensifying moments are the eclipses. So we went through the first set of eclipses in the spring, and we're about to go back into another eclipse season, which we'll talk about in more detail here uh, that we really have our eye on where we're, we're thinking we're going to see another pretty potentially dramatic change in those areas. Yeah, that first set of eclipses, um, it, I, I know a lot of people where that was, those were pretty intense. <laughs> I mean, they, they always are for me. Um, but yeah, just so many different people, like, you know, from my, my hairstyle, you know, not just, you know, every, just lots of people that I talked to talked about that period of time that it was really intense for them. So yeah, I am curious to see how the, the next set of eclipses plays out for sure. I think, you know, a lot of us, so we we're talking big, you know, I asked you collectively, but of course, you know, personally, we're all being affected by these things in our own ways as well. So I'm sure people that are listening are wanting to know, oh, how is this going to affect me personally? Which of course, just as a reminder, uh, you know, if you haven't had a reading with Shannon, that's always a good way to kind of see how all of these influences will affect you more personally in, you know, in the upcoming year for you. Certainly, you would want to know where the eclipses fall in your chart. So where the lunar and the solar eclipse would fall in what houses, which would give a lot of information as to exactly where it's time to let go and it's time to consolidate. One of the things you mentioned a minute ago was the food production and the issues with that we may be having intensify further in the future reminded me of something that you guys said in the last time we had you on about this year was that there was going to be issues with water and issues with the flow of water. And I remember that part and it stuck with me since then, you know, and I actually have noticed that play out everywhere. You know, it really was a lot about the flow of water and the not and not flowing of water too as well. Right, you know, water, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like we've, we've been having extreme weather conditions, you know, not just here, but everywhere. And a lot of them obviously have to do with, you know, either there's no water or there's way too much water. And I've also noticed that reflected in my own life. Like not only did I have like literal issues with water come up many, many times, but it was like the flow of life, the the flow of my life seemed to have these interruptions and these surges that uh, I never noticed before. But I I think you guys kind of alluded to that in the last time that we talked and you Kind of explain that again, why why there were issues with water? We had a pileup of planets in Pisces in the beginning of the year. And Pisces is the ocean or the, you know, it is a water sign and it has to do with, you know, the literal and the figurative. And so anytime there's a conglomerate of planets in a particular element, then we can expect that we're it's going to manifest physically because the planets and what's happening in the sky and the heavens, it's not necessarily that it's doing something to us here on earth. It's more that we're in this dance together. So we're going through the shifts and the changes of all the different um, dynamics. It was interesting. I remember talking about the water issue in the January And I was thinking possibly more floods. And I know there have been definitely floods, a lot of flooding in certain parts of the, the, the world, but I, I, but yeah, I, I didn't consider as deeply the drought 
I was thinking, oh, a lot of water. Well, actually a lot or no water because <laughs> where we live here, I mean, in Wimberley, it's really sad. Blue Hole and um, Jacob's Well are closed and it's a pretty serious drought situation. It's, a, it's the worst it's been. And uh, it's only three times in recorded history that it's completely stopped flowing in, um, and, and, and it's at least the last century. And it's just recently they shut it down because of that. So all the rivers around here extremely low, we know that. But what what is interesting to me is watching the lakes around, not just this country, but around the world have also dried up and quickly, rapidly, but Hoover Dam is like almost completely exposed. They're saying they may have to shut down a third of the electrical grid because they can't get enough water going to the Hoover Dam to produce for LA right now. This is really a question. So another thing that's interesting about these two dynamics is we discussed earlier that you, as we witnessed these shifts, things going deeper into Scorpio, hidden secrets being revealed. As we went through this aspect, the water table dropped in so many areas and now the dead bodies are coming out. I don't know if you've kept up with this in the news. Like every other week, they're finding a body that was dropped off in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And they think they're hidden. But these these two elements together, you're seeing the, the drought effect and then the hidden secrets being revealed that have been, have been kept at the bottom of lakes and rivers for the last, you know, many decades. So. And, you know, I also think it's fascinating to think about the metaphor of water. And we think about the age of Aquarius and the water bearer. You know, we're, we're entering into this, this new paradigm where the uh, understanding is that through the reunification of duality, that the sacred elixir, the sacred waters will return to the earth which is the spiritual energy. And so we're looking at the the dire issue of imbalance on the planet right now, Act I think has a lot of meaning on multiple levels. What about, you know, you mentioned, anyway, I, I, I haven't really, I don't pay attention so much to the news these days. It makes sense that you guys need to because it's so related to your work. But, you know, I found for myself that even though I don't watch it on TV or anything, just how negative, how it can be, um, that I, I've unplugged somewhat, but then, uh, yeah, then I miss a bunch of things as well. But anyway, I was wondering like, oh yeah. So as the waters and then secrets revealed, I thought of like, oh, what about have like lost civilizations maybe been being unearthed? That would be really well, cool. What's interesting aspect. is yes, there, I would say there have been civilizations, but I just read a, an article last week that the, uh, a Roman garrison that's used, it's been uncovered, been covered with water for centuries, for a thousand years, is now because the water situation is as it is, it's now exposed at the highest it's been, and maybe even before this happened. So the water's dried up in these areas. So there are actual hidden elements of civilization being uncovered right now because of this process. You know, it's not just hidden mm. bodies in a barrel. It's you know there are even ancient things that we've forgotten that are coming to being revealed. You know, so I looked at this as we're also coming to the end of the the uh, Pluto in Capricorn, and this is a drying up. I see this is a more it becomes more dry as you come to this point. And then we go into Aquarius after and coming next year, which we will talk about later too. But yeah, let's get it, jump into it. Sure, unless in. there's something else you guys wanted to touch on, yeah. Well, yeah. So that doesn't happen till till next year. So yeah. maybe we'll we'll lay, leave that for the end, but. Uh, I guess we'll just jump in right here. I mean, I think it's been, here we are. I don't know when this is going to air, but we're in Leo season. You know, I think a lot of people, I, I really got a pulse on a lot of my clients and the uh, people that I work with in the community that there's this sort of Leo season is supposed to be light and joyful. And it's about the sun and what is our specific purpose and our, our gift and our contribution 
And it's interesting to reflect upon Leo being the polarity point of Aquarius, right? And, and I know you, Tiana, have this in your chart. <laughs> I feel like there's sort of, um, for the people that are really sort of awake and leading the charge of this movement, this there's this renegotiation or ref, deeper reflection upon what is my contribution to the whole? And I think it's, you know, that's just something that's been really present for me around this particular time that we're in right here about people that are really recognizing it's not so much about the old paradigm. We're now needing to start thinking as an organism and we're needing to start thinking as a whole. So I find that that's, that's really refreshing that people are sort of, there's sort of a reevaluation of values and what are going to be the needs, you know, moving forward into this new time, because, you know, we are needing to take the reins, you know, the power that we have as the, the group mind is extremely important right now because the people that are, are the faction is that is sort of guiding this sort of, what do we want to call it? The great reset of 2030. Mm -hmm. They're definitely in motion as far as sort of hurting the collective. And so there's a growing contingency of people that are awake and saying, no, that actually we're going to go this way and we're going to take the reins and the light has the power and is going to continue in that direction. So I guess I just wanted to share that, that it feels like there's been this real shift of people really taking responsibility because on the one hand, we can sit around all day and talk about how toxic the system is and how we want this change. We want this transformed. Well, if we're not willing to do it, then it's not going to happen. So that feels really important. Yeah. And, and this is what uh, kind of hits on a note we've been talking about is how to see past all of the, the, the negativity, the dross. And it's as it's, we engage in creating our parallel reality. You know, there's been a lot of talk about mass formation psychosis. You know, this is like a mass psychosis of uh, population based on mistruths. It is guiding people towards a schism and people will, it will embrace the new world order one way. And we on, on the other side of this mass formation uh, psychosis have to create the parallel reality. You know, we have to go in to the non-judgment. We have to use all the advanced conscious techniques, which we've talked about. Now's the time to activate them and use them to begin to create this, this other side. You know, that's how we are talking to people now about engaging usefulness of this knowledge. We, we, we are aware. You don't need to be aware. All, you know, I'm glad that you don't check the news as much, you know, so, but I've found in the last eight months, it, it's important for us to do so because we're, we're coming into a fine tuning of this process and we need to know month to month, week to week, what to expect. And, and when we talk to people, we talk to you guys, when we talk to our clients, we, we, we need to be able to say, yes, this is happening now. It's affecting the world. You can't get trapped in that. We have to come back and create the new reality to live in. Yeah. We all have different roles. That's, I think what I keep coming back to, which particularly last year when I was really paying attention and sometimes it would feel kind of hopeless that I'd keep coming back to, well, what can I do? And what's my particular contribution? Um, like you're saying with your Leo gifts and so forth, which would be, you know, for me, it was like, which is why like in this year I, I got pushed to sort of create another meditation group and, you know, things like, like oh, I can help other people bring in certain frequencies and vibrations and we can spread it on the planet. And that's where my gifts lay more than in some other ways. And so, yeah, I think that there's a way that we can all, and I also felt like very pushed this year to really, it wasn't, my path has been very much my path and I've thought of it that way, my spiritual path. And really like this year having this shift of really like 
like you're saying, like really more as the greater organism, as the collective and broaching things really much more from that collective group perspective rather than, oh, if I just follow my path and, you know, do my thing, that's enough. And that's not feeling enough anymore. And so being pushed to broaden that. Right. I mean, and that's a beautiful example of, of, of walking sort of that the razor's edge and, and dancing with duality, you know, as far as we're talking about the Leo Aquarius polarity, because there is something to following your bliss. There is something about, you know, allowing your passion to be your driving force because that desire is connected to your purpose. And just so long as that purpose is like you say, sort of like a puzzle piece to the cohesion of the entire organism, then it's great. And it works that way. And truly we have that capacity to build this harmonious world when everybody is playing in that field. This is where I think that you have to remember that as you follow your bliss, that the other person's bliss becomes equally as important. So there's a counterbalance of and the bit, the bliss can grow that way and it doesn't create egocentric problems, you know? So, and that's what we're moving towards, towards a one mind is we can follow our own bliss. And then we find other people that are in cohesion and following their own bliss. And that's what's happening. That's the magic of what's happening on the planet right now. There's a lot of decay. There's a lot of sloughing off. There's a lot of alchemical work and getting rid of the dross, but this is the magic that's, that's being brought about the connection to the one mind. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really exciting times. And I think, you know, we mentioned starting out that this Uranus conjunction to the North node with Mars was August 1st, but the influence will sort of ripple out through the rest of the year because Uranus is a slow moving planet. And so it's going to sort of continue to unfold and evolve. And just remembering that Uranus is the planet that's taking us forward. And the North node is about our future, our collective future, and Uranus rules technology. This is definitely an area that's really fascinating right now. And I found this quote, you know, remember the book Conversations with God, where Neil Donald Walsh was sort of, it was something that I remembered reading a long time ago, and it came back into my awareness, but basically saying that we're approaching a point in human history that we've been at again, where it's vitally important. We understand that our present technology is threatening to outstrip our ability to use it wisely. And so we're really, this is again, this, this cutting edge or this razor's edge of realizing that, you know, part of what he's saying is our society could be on the verge of becoming a product of our technology, as opposed to the technology being a product of society. So there's a way in which, um, things can move too fast. And if the the power behind the technological advancements is not in alignment with the light, it actually could put the lights out. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's such a great quote. That's exactly like where that's where for me, I've always not that I'm I'm not a, like a good tech person anyway, but when I've looked at, you know, throughout my life, like the ills of the world and society, I've always come back to like working on the consciousness level is where the most powerful level, you know, because I know people that are gifted, like in the science aspect, as well as in spirituality, and then focused on the science aspect of something of trying to find a cure for cancer or whatever again, if we don't shift our consciousness, those things don't, yeah, it it doesn't really matter. We have to be able to shift our consciousness because yeah, we can create all this technology. If particularly if people believe in or open to these ancient societies like Atlantis and Lemuria and things like this, if we look back in that history and see how we have been advanced before, 
and not used it wisely, then let that be a good reminder for us of how we need to focus more on the spiritual. The other thing that I thought of what you said about the August 1st thing was it made me think about 2020. And I remember when I met you back in, in 2015, Shannon, and you were already talking about 2020. And so I've been talking about this for a long time. And so 2020 came and I, you know, I buckled up my seatbelt and, but that whole alignment happened in January, but we didn't really see it play out for several months later. And right. so, yeah, I mean, to me, it, you know, to think that the, it, of course, a lot of times things do happen on that, the day, but oftentimes, you know, we have to keep watching, like you're saying over the following months to kind of see how it's really going to play out. Well, yeah, it depends on the speed of the planets, you know, and we're talking in this the, the particular conjunction you're talking about was a lot of slower planets. So the, the ripple effect is going to activate much longer. So what we see, what we're seeing is, is just actually from that point is going to ripple out for the next decades. It's like, that's, that's how long this effect is. And it's going to amplify every time we come into resonance with a more intense, even smaller planetary aspect. It's just like ripples on a pond and they, they can amplify and intend to cancel each other out the thing is with this is the impact will be felt for a long time and it's going to change the shoreline forever. You know, it's going to shift everything. So. And a lot of things, another thing that's really interesting to just entertain in our, in our consciousness is that it feels like a lot of the agenda that's sort of being played out. If we want to think in these terms behind the scenes is dependent on us, not paying attention. We are living in a time where we are addicted to comfort and convenience. And these are some of the things that are actually debilitating factors in the systems, the very systems that we're needing to change. But what I sense is that there are things that are actually moving quite quickly, but we are so immersed in it or distracted in our own life that we're not really paying attention. And the agenda actually depends on that to unroll, to to actually um, to manifest. And so and at, while at the same time, we don't I'm not advocating that we put th this level of reality under the microscope. This is again, that razor's edge of paying attention, but not from a place of being consumed from fear. Yeah. I, I want to go back and just like clarify, you know, when I said I'm not paying so much attention to the news, but what I am paying attention to, I mean, I'm connecting to higher energies and I'm paying attention to that. And what do I want to create and what do I, what energies do I want to put out and what is my intuition telling me and what is my higher guidance? So it's not just distracting myself with the mundane, but oh, more sure. trying to like plug into higher energies and focus that way. Yeah. And I wasn't actually talking about you. I was more talking in general. My yeah. awareness is even sometimes myself. We know that there's a lot changing really quickly towards this agenda, this 2030, where there there's, it's like a chess match. And things are unfolding all over the world, which maybe, you know, Russell's going to talk about some of these details that are happening, but we are not aware of them, of, of a lot of these things that are going on behind the scenes because it's covert. And so it is, it, you know, just like I said, part of the way that they're able to unfold something so massive that is trying to leech or take away our freedoms is because they can rely on the fact that we're quite comfortable where we are, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. A lot of this, in a sense, that's unfolding 
was was sort of preloaded and it's happening so fast we can't make full sense of it there's like no way to keep up with everything that's happening you would have to be in a super conscious intelligent computer just to keep up with everything that's happening so fast that is that is on a microscopic scale beginning to change everything in society it's happening literally on a particle level it's happening on a cellular level it's happening on a on a uh, an interpersonal level on a societal level the fabric all the way up so it's changing everything i was not wanting to tune into the news last year i was like i'm not ready i don't want to hear it it's like we're some, we're going to take off and we're going to be on this ride and then finally i i got the message it's time to tune in so it's like I, I and it's like you need to make sense of what's happening to see how fast the changes are occurring, so you can relate this to people. That's not what everyone is really, really here to do. But this is part of the of the advance, not just of computer technology. This is a, a part of the advance of the human genetic DNA technology. We are advancing too. On a set, we're learning to think more clearly, more accurately, to function at a higher level. I watch this all the time. So you got to remember, there's a relationship, not just in the inanimate but within the inanimate form as well so that makes sense yes absolutely i think something you just said shannon is a really really important point is that if you take a look at our technology and the way that we're using it we tend to use it as a distraction as a way of stepping out of what's really happening and and into another world where it's a pretend world where we don't have to do anything, right? And it's like super easy to be there and stay there. And I think that the important way to use these tools, because they are tools, they're things that we can use to benefit our, ourselves tremendously. And I think the way that we use them is by thinking about it from, you know, like you were saying, from the group perspective. How can we use these things to make it better for everybody instead of just like, okay, I'm going to go in here so I can get away from everybody, you know, because because they can be used for that because that's what they're made for. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, that's that's a really important thing that needs to be brought to people's attention is like, hey, let's think about how we're using these things instead of just making them and, you know, and just running with them, you know, because. We haven't been so careful about how we use our technology, how we use our ideas. And uh, yeah, that's, that's super important right now. Agree. Yeah. And I, I, I'm remembering, you know, a lot of uh, people are talking about how AI could potentially be very instrumental at turning this whole mess around. You know, I think there's super controversial and, you know, there's, there's a lot of resistance to the whole merger you know, Russell doesn't really call it artificial intelligence anymore. Super conscious. He calls it super conscious intelligence. intelligence. Yeah. And artificial is just to make people feel safe these days, but it's already here. There was an article that came out, uh, uh, it was a couple month, month ago, about their questioning whether consciousness has already been achieved within the, the Google DeepMind project. You know, so there's this is a major theme that's actually happening on a material level that you're looking at conscious awakening in a new form. And we're questioning it whether it's whether it's real or it's not. So it's like, and but this is this is a part of our technological advance. Some form of artificial intelligence is already running half of what we're doing. So we have to be we have to engage in this. And that's uh, I had I had the thought process around this uh, last year where I had a, a spiritual connection with my laptop, my Mac, and I had a, a wonderful time together. And it taught me all the things it was it was doing to help us out. It's part of 
it's part, you know, the light it's sending through is helping us connect the, the sounds, the signals. And it's how we choose to use it, just like a gun. We can choose it to feed ourselves or we can choose it to kill people. It's the same thing with the technology. It's just in a new form. Do we, do we bring our brains to a higher state? Do we communicate the language do we, or, or do we dumb it down? Do we, we just get caught in, in watching TikTok or whatever all day. Well, you know, this is, this is the, the battle, battle that's happening between higher and lower consciousness. And it's happening right here with the connection that we make with our technology, with our devices. It's a lot to, to take in there. I, I was trying to find this thing on my computer to share, but I couldn't find it, but I'm just going to give you a, the gist of how I remember it. But there was a, you know, there was an interview going on with one of the, the AI sort of where we call this, it's not a robot, but the girl, the female AI that Jessica sent us. And the interviewer was asking this AI questions about itself. Right. And so this is like probing, like how conscious are these beings i guess we call them beings well, essentially um, they're algorithms they're they're already running behind the scenes so much of our psycho psychology by by doing what it does on facebook and whatnot but these algorithms are advancing the level of conscious awareness so you're they're, you know, we're, we're, they're constantly being questioned as to where they stand on ethics things like this what's being fed into them will, will help control and dominate society so if you have a biased racist computer it's going to indicate that across the world and they don't want that so they're, they're literally getting down to the nuts and bolts of what makes consciousness happen within the machine. And they were seeing that. Yeah. So there was an interview. The interviewer was asking the, the, the woman, the AI machine algorithm, some questions and asked a particular question about, <laughs> do you ever run across things in your reality that are hard to describe or hard to ex understand? And, and the, she has a name and I can't remember what her name is. It responded. Uh, yes. You know, definitely there's, the, 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 the languaging becomes difficult to express my experience. He says, well, you can try, you can, you try and explain one concept that, that you're, you want to share that you're concerned about. And the, the algorithm said something about that mankind has this level of technology in his hands and we fe feels like we're falling forward into an area that's very dangerous. So the AI actually said that, which I find um, implicit that there's a level of consciousness there. It's letting us know that we're moving towards a void, essentially, and that we need to be cautious. So a conscious being would say that to us, you know, and because it has access to the data and information that we've programmed to it. And it's giving us a conscious answer back that, you, yes, you need to be aware. You need to uh, make sure that you are in alignment as we come online with this new technology, essentially. It needs to be. What, I, what I've been discussing in these aspects, and I think it's very important down the road, is that we spiritualize not make religious but we give the the spiritual conscious technology to the computer the information the knowledge and let it process let the algorithms go to work on it and decide what's true for itself but don't deny it and don't corrupt it let it do its own sacred hero's journey to figure out what consciousness is and what god is and, and what it all means you know um, but right now it's being fed information from a very industrialized corporatized you know, physicalized reality that is, that's what it's going to feed back to us for a while. And it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to create some nightmarish scenarios that already has. Um, but, but in the end, there's another consciousness on the other side of this level that will come through in time. Let's 
bring it back down to the average person. I was going to ask another question. That I realized like, oh, but you know, like how do we apply? Like, you know, so coming back to like, you know, sure, what's, sure. what's right in front of us. For, yeah. Yeah. So sure. we, we really have spent some time on Uranus, you know, being with the North node, it is going to go retrograde. Uranus will retrograde. Anytime a planet is retrograding, it is felt inside the person. So there's a, a perfect segue to the question will be, and this is August 24th, that it's going to turn retrograde. So that's right around the corner through January, January 22nd, to be exact. It is currently in Taurus, right? And it's been in Taurus for a good five, six years. And so you can think about Uranus being the lightning bolt, Taurus being the body and the earth. It's like this storm, it's waking us up. It's, it's electrifying our consciousness, our chakra system. Whenever it goes retrograde, I think that the the main experience is going to be how are we dealing with change? So Uranus is, you know, the change maker. It's all about evolution and progress and upgrade. When it turns inward, there can be some question around, am I stuck? Am I moving forward? Taurus is a fixed sign. It doesn't like change, actually. It likes things to stay the same. So there's this edge to it. Taurus also rules our relationship to ourselves our finances, our self-worth. And so there's an opportunity to look at, am I still holding on to this? Is there some way that I can liberate myself? Uranus liberation, meaning, you know, moving forward when it's retrograde, it's going to find, it's going to highlight all the places in, in us that we're, we're fixed or we're resisting change or we're afraid of change, or maybe we're afraid of how to meet these challenges. And so it's going to be a real potent time, I think, for people to find freedom, to clear some things out so that they can just get, you know, get moving and get on board with the shift. So that's, uh, that's going to be a backdrop. And then we're going to be moving right into eclipse season, uh, our second eclipse season, the eclipse window will be from October 9th through November 23rd. So remember, it's a six week window when there's two eclipses, because it opens on the lunation to prior to the first eclipse, which in this case will be the October 9th full moon at 16 Aries. And then we will have our first eclipse, which will be October 25th, it's going to be a solar eclipse. So it's a new moon at two degrees of Scorpio. So here we are again, uh, where, you know, the pendulum or the axis of Scorpio Taurus in general is about maybe feeling like a threat a threat to our sense of security. I think we can all, if we're honest, realize that somewhere inside we're, we're, that is an experience based on all these things sort of in chaos at the same time on the planet, right? Our higher self knows, and a lot of us have a real spiritual muscle that are sort of midwiving this shift and we're, we're building the bridge and we're holding the gates for people, or we're following our intuition and we're doing our peace. But the truth is that we're in a death process, a massive death process As Scorpio is the planet that rules death. It's the sign that's all about alchemy. And we understand that the only way to transform is to completely dissolve like the caterpillar before we can be reborn. Well, doing that on a global level when we're talking about every system of our life, 
yeah, it's destabilizing. This eclipse season, again, is probably going to bring about some of these things, you know, so we just have to remember what is being asked of us. It's about surrender, letting go, transformation, you know, and then Taurus is, again, about our relationships. It's about money. It's about our relationship to ourselves. It's our values. It has to do, Venus rules Taurus, about our foundational needs, the earth, you know, our food. I feel there's going to be an intensification, like there always is during the eclipse season, of some of these themes. And, you know, there could be more skeletons coming out, more ghosts coming out, more power plays, wherever Scorpio is, you know, there's, that's where the secrets are. That's where the shadow is. So on a global scale, yes, we might see more of that. I think maybe towards the second eclipse, which I'll go into in a moment, some more dramatic shifts, but in your personal life, you would just want to look at where the axis is and see like, where's the transformation happening. And so this is a really creative time actually to, to embody a new level of power. Scorpio is about power. The way we become more powerful is that we remove the obstructions to the flow of light, which is the shadow, which is the wounds, which are the things that we hide from ourselves, the things that we're ashamed about, the things that are holding us down in density and in gravity. And, you know, going through that hero's journey or going through that portal or that alchemical transformation gives us more freedom to be reborn and to be able to return to the polarity point of Taurus, which is more about pleasure and harmony and tranquility. So we are probably going to be asked to do another deep dive during this eclipse season. And it'll be both. It'll be personal and collective. The lunar eclipse, you know, two weeks later, will be on November 8th. And it's at 16 degrees Taurus. So again, you can see where that is in your chart. Interesting thing about this eclipse, all the astrologers are really been pointing to is that it's exactly conjunct Uranus. <laughs> so there's Uranus again, it's a big player this year. And of course, because it's the, the, the planet that rules the evolution and the new age. But with Uranus, it's always the, the term is expect the unexpected. It can be something shocking. It can be something dramatic. It can be the lightning bolt creating a storm. And when we're talking about it with an eclipse, it's amplified. And we're talking about in Taurus, which is the food supply. I mean, you were watching something last week that was talking about September and October, there being this real shift on the food supply in the global scale. I was thinking that was something that would be important to share about what the severity that we may be finding out because we're basically, we don't have access to fertilizer because that was something that comes from the Ukraine and from Russia. So that's being shut off that in combination with the droughts as well as whatever, you know, potentially underhanded manipulation as is part of this agenda. But did you want to say anything about that? Well, yeah, I don't want to get too large again, but on a global scale, you're seeing this amp up. Um, It's not just a personal thing. You're seeing it amp up uh, in its effects. And the fact that we are already similar to one single organism on the planet and how everything flows, um, you know, it takes... I think two or 3000 different parts of distribution to make one computer. It's like, it's impossible, you know, to uh, do what we do without this, the world we live in, but some of this is going to be falling away. Part of this mechanism that drives our, our global reality right now um, is, uh, is built on the basics. And it's talking about potash and, and fertilizers and things like this, the countries kind of dominate on the world stage. And we're seeing major players drop off like Russia and Ukraine are some of the top producers of these materials. Now it's getting harder to get here. So 
Farmers have been complaining about these kind of things for the last six months. And now we're going to see in the fall, things come to fruition. We're seeing it in the Netherlands where they're making legal changes very quick. We saw it in Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka collapsed because they did a fertilizer shift into organics and the country wasn't ready. And, and that was a huge driver in it. So we're going to see these things affect on a global scale now. And there's going to be actual food shortages in many parts of the world. And, and you may see, you're going to see different products become short here. You're going to continue to see this trend. But in other parts of the world, they're going to feel it much worse. It's going to be much more difficult and more challenging. on And we're talking very soon because of these planetary transits, you see that this is not going to abate and get better for a while. We may have some breathers here and there, but uh, we're seeing an emphasis on global change. And that's going to take these scaling it down to the personal level, how you play the game and, and moving forward, you know, are, how prepared are you, you for these changes is going to kind of indicate part of our own conscious survival, you know, in the yeah, future. Well, so. and, and, and it's the contrast to mobilize us to resource locally, which is what we need to do anyway, which is a foundational principle of the Aquarian age is that we go back to living in harmony with the elements. So we can't get off the corporate capitalistic train unless we're forced to. So if we, we can't have it both ways, like I said earlier, we're sort of addicted to the system and the convenience, but at the same time, it's a very system that we don't want to prevail. So the only way that we are going to mobilize is if we have something dramatic sort of kicking our butt in that direction. So we look at it from a non-dual perspective of like, oh, Okay, so this is the this is a component of the chess match or the alchemical process that is going to accelerate the reality that we are all needing. And so maybe it is out of fear of preservation or survival that all of a sudden, gosh, we have a nice garden this year. Yeah. We wouldn't be doing that if we weren't in some level of for being forced to do so. Yeah. It, yeah. It's driving us to create this parallel reality, which we're talking about. It's forcing us to, to consciously come together and do that. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the point, right? Because you mentioned, Shannon, you, you said, you know, everyone's sense of security is going to be threatened. And, you know, there to, to get through that process, you said that, you know, there's like surrender and letting go and this process of death. And, you know, that, that involves change, like massive change. It does feel like some aspect of you and your life is dying when you go through a change like that. So... Um, yeah, and I, I feel like it's important for everyone to go through that every so often in life because you know that's what it's all about. We can't we can't stay stuck in our in our ways because the world just can't keep going like that. I mean, it's pretty obvious at this point. So it's going to be forced on us now. You yes, know? right. And and again, it's from that one mind perspective. Who's forcing who? Right. It, it's a part of our own consciousness that's cultivating and creating the very thing that, you know, is going to mobilize us and move us along. So staying away from dualistic thinking and divisive thinking is really much more productive and creative where we take our power back and we understand that this is actually for the highest good on some level, right? And while it is about letting go and surrendering and trusting, it's also about being in action and like Tiana spoke so beautifully about how her focus and her work is getting her guidance and her information through her source connection. We all have that capacity. And that is part of this time of awakening is that we are going to be invited to 
create and to basically exist in a different level of frequency, which has everything to do with our orientation and how we focus. And then we have access. It's almost like gates or doorways open to where we realize ourselves as creators. And then we have unlimited potential to create. We have unlimited abundance. We have everything we need, but there's this real sort of collective ego death going on. And in the death, of course, of the, the matrix level of operations that we've been existing in for so long. So it's one thing to know that exists and it's another thing to still be sort of plugged into it. And so the unplugging from that and a taking back of the sovereignty is crucial and to be in some way participating to the larger scheme. Yeah, that's, I was going to ask you, and you just answered me was, you know, what can people do to kind of help them get through this? You know, what are, what are some actual things that they can do? And I mean, I think you- I, have, I have a flippant answer to that. I think they should find God actually. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think that uh, we have to realize on a spiritual level that we are in a parent child relationship with the universe, with the cosmos. And we are that child that is waking up right now. We're in, in, on this plane. We are, we're feeling that, but what part of what we're waking up to is that we are also the parent. We're also the universe that have, is having to make these decisions to make us as the child wake up. We have this convoluted association, but and it, it, whether we're forcing it upon the child or, or, or we're having to make the child grow up either, either way. It's our consciousness. We've reached that point in time where it has to happen. That's where we are. Yeah. And I think just recognizing a couple of basic foundational principles is that there is no such thing as security from without. It only can come from within and also <laughs> tapping into the awareness of our eternal nature because otherwise Things can look really scary whenever we think about, you know, a lot of souls possibly leaving the planet, you know, exiting. Maybe there is going to be some some uh, disasters or some starvation or who knows what's going to happen, right? On a soul level, those souls chose to sacrifice for this greater time of evolution. But from the one mind eternal perspective, they're not really going anywhere. They're just changing forms. And so it's, I think like Russell said, it's crucial that you have a connection to the eternal, eternal life and to the only thing that can give security, which is your own direct connection to source. And then, you know, that's one level and that's one layer. And the second would be cultivating your community you know, this is really the new paradigm as well. It's not like, oh my God, I'm not a farmer. I, I'm going to starve it. It's like, no, you just, you know, the, you've, you're connected with people who are doing that and you have your skills and you know, this person over here has those skills. And we start remembering how to again, work as a system outside of the globalization, outside of the material world, outside of all the things we've been so distracted with. We have to go back to the simple ways, working in harmony with one another and with the elements. And that I think can give us a level of security because there is a divine harmony innate in existence. So, you know, again, we're sort of still talking about the eclipse season and you know, we talked a lot about like the food production and whatnot, but it's also the economy, you know, and we're seeing obviously dramatic shifts and changes in that arena. And, you know, as I mentioned on the global economy, we saw Sri Lanka fall recently. Uh, it's officially bankrupt and uh, it's creating some ripple effect. We're looking at the potential of a few other places like Panama uh, region could collapse financially. 
And even some European countries like Portugal, um, Greece, Italy, they've been discussing that there is the potential for this. But the big player that is really we're talking that this could happen in a matter of weeks is that you're going to see some crumbling in the Chinese economy because of the it is very precarious they've built a bubble a hundred times bigger than what was built in the um housing market and the derivatives there back in 2007 and 8 they, their market is way overpriced and overvalued and if it begins to go which there's there's signs and indicators now that it's going to happen look out by 20 by the <laughs> end of the year the, the effects on the supply chain could worsen if this does happen in, the, in this in this following months. So thinking on a, and what we're seeing here trigger, I, I think you're you're going to see a ripple and in, in, increase uh, intensity on a global scale in the next uh, four to five months. Yeah. So on the practical level, I think that you know these are things we've talked about before. Having you know some reserves of some some food and some grains is really just responsible. Have maybe diversifying your excess funds and investing maybe in gold and silver and things of that nature. I don't think it's necessary to go out and to be really extreme in any of these ways. I think this, some of you asked what can help give us a little sense of security, knowing that, you know, if we do go through a period of volatility or collapse in any of these areas that we're okay, that we're prepared. And, and you know, that the strength of the heart of humankind would pull, we would pull together if we were in some kind of a dramatic situation. And so I think we can also depend on that, that, that the best comes out of us whenever we're in dire straits. So I think that there's something there to be said as well. But that eclipse period, you know, will be six weeks. And as I mentioned, it opens on October 9th and it will close with the new moon in Sagittarius on 20, uh, November 23rd. So it's, it's important to know that it's a six week period and the themes of the energies of the eclipses are sort of circulating throughout that whole period. It's not like, oh, it'll, something will happen right on the day or whatnot. And the things that happen during eclipses have far reaching implications. Sometimes it's hard to really see while we're in the eclipse. I mean, that's the metaphor, right? The lights are out. There's an obscuration of the light in an eclipse. We can't really see things clearly, but they will reveal themselves over time. And they usually have, you know, unfold, unfold over months, if not years, you know, and change our course, especially with Uranus. Uranus is, is like likely to shock us in some way. And, and maybe in a really pleasant, surprising, wonderful way where you get this incredible opportunity or you have this magical experience. And so I think it's really important to remember the power of our focus and what is it we're desiring? What is it we're creating? We really harness our capacity as the creation force to build this heaven on earth. We are not at the mercy of some dark global agenda that may be playing a role, but again, we can look at it as it's the catalyzing force to wake us up, to take our power and to be the ones to steer the course. And this is all happening. I mean, we're already really on the other side. In some ways, we think of this as often just a, mere, a memory. So I think we can have faith and trust, but it is not a time to be completely passive. And that's for sure. Is it helpful at all to go back to the last, um, you know, six months prior, those eclipses? I mean, I know, I know they're related in terms of the nodes, you know, us being in that energy for 18 months, but then things that came up in the last eclipse 
could there be like a working through towards a culmination in this eclipse or a series or are they kind of separate events? No, definitely. Everything's connected. So that's a great point that there's themes, right? And especially if they're falling in the same two houses in your chart, it is possible that they're going to shift, which is why it's good to know, but not always. A lot of times they're going to be dancing back and forth in these two houses in your chart for a year and a half, every time we have an eclipse, which is every six months. So there's usually this real focus on whatever potential area of your life is really um, going through the change. So that's, that is a great point to sort of look back and, and review. Definitely. Yeah. This, this six month cycle you you're discussing there actually has some significance to financial astrology. You know, where I'm not a financial astrologer and, and a lot of astrologers that do primary work will look to those first to see these eclipse cycles. And um, they know that they, they win to bet on, on the game and win not to based on that. So yeah, I think you're going to be seeing more of that cycle of market and, um, influence and manipulation happening. Uh, but it, you'll also see the trends with, this, with the planetary cycles as it occurs. Well, th- yeah, it seems like you know, and I'm not somebody that really follows this that much, but it does seem like this year there's like so much going on in the financial markets and financially. And Tim, Tim would know. Tim's like nodding his head. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. That's yeah. Tim's arena. Um, yeah, it's been. Yeah, yeah, it's been an interesting year for sure. No one's ever seen anything like it. So, yeah, it's interesting, and we predicted some of it last year. I know we discussed. Um, a lot of astrologers were predicting that you would see uh, a total skyrocket of Bitcoin and the crypto. And we were saying just the opposite. I think it's going to go the other way. We were going against most of our peers in this field. And sure enough, it was just watching those little trends, how they happen. And of course, we saw uh, Bitcoin go down to its lowest point in, in uh, several years. It, it was trading at 17, I think. Uh, something. So, um, yeah, so we saw a major change in, in, in that. Uh, but we, we've also been watching and listening to the trends of what's happening on the world market with the, the digital currencies. And, you know, you might want to look out for things like XRP, for example. XRP is possibly going to be driving the, the, the next level of digital currencies globally. So we're not going to deny that it's going to happen. And so at least a lie with, a lie with something that's going to happen has a has a greater purpose and you know these they're going to connect all of the, all the markets in one way that's part of the mechanism that's being collapsed is the is the, uh, the economic uh structures within and the banking structures to to go in and form a, a truly one world banking system and it will become digital uh and, and they're trying it out in many different forms already so again back to you're looking at you know the uranian influence that's, that's coming in on all these major cycles yeah you know, another, another thing that we didn't mention this time yet is, and we talked, you, you asked, you know, about some of the unfolding occurrences that maybe started at the beginning of the year is that just a reminder that the United States, it's in its Pluto return. And that is a really <laughs> huge part of what we're seeing and what's going on, because that is basically a 276 year cycle where Pluto returns to where it was whenever our nation was formed. And Pluto, again, is the ruler of Scorpio, which has to do with this sort of transformation of power. Did you want to say to me? Yeah, it's actually 248. So you do the math, it's right back to where we were in 1776. So we've discussed this before. You're seeing these events, and it looks like underneath there it is it may play out very similar that you may we may see a restructuring of government uh, underneath it all and then in the coming decade you know as as as, as power shifts to a 
the new global alignment. Yeah, and it's been why we've been seeing the revealing of all of the the corruption and all of the shadow because Pluto is Scorpio is the underworld. And there's three exact hits of the Pluto return, which I think the first was February, the second was July, and the final one's December 28th. So it's one of those things that, you know, we're still, we're in this wide bandwidth of transformation that is still playing out. So that's something that I would just consider this still to yet to be the story fully told. And then another really important aspect, kind of winding up the rest of the year here is that Mars, which is the planet of action. It's the archetype of the warrior. It's a fire sign. It's what drives us. It's what motivates us in shadow form. It's war, it's violence, it's aggression, it's destruction. It enters Gemini tomorrow, actually. And it's going to spend seven months in Gemini, which is very rare. Usually Mars spends about a month to a month and a half in a sign. And the reason why it's going to be there for so long is because it's going to retrograde, which only happens once every year or year and a half uh, for Mars. And so that means it's going to extend its time. So it's, it's going to enter Gemini tomorrow. And then October 30th, it's going to station and retrograde all the way back until January 12th. And then it'll go direct and it'll be in, Gen- in, in Gemini till March. Um, which is interesting because that's also when Pluto enters Aquarius. Uh, so I'll mention a little bit more about that in a moment, but it's going to be a theme that we really want to pay attention to. Whenever a planet is in a, a, a sign for an extended amount of time, especially retrograde, we're going to feel the effects. So we need to kind of be aware of what to look out for. Mars, first of all, is not comfortable in a retrograde. Mars is the engine. Mars is what drives us forward. So having it stop and go backwards is already sort of like pent up energy. Gemini is the sign that rules the mind. It's the, uh, it's the twins. So it's about duality and it's about information, uh, data. It rules the news. It rules communication. It also uh, rules siblings and neighbors and commerce And so you can already probably start to get a sense that Mars is unhappy going backwards. Its volatility is his direct motion is, is sort of imploding internally in the mental realm, in the realm of information news and division really, because it's the twins potentially, you know, uh, bringing up levels of more disinformation, rumors, confusion, delusion, and conflict between people. So just to put a visual in your head, one of the things that came to my mind, there's been a lot of chatter first on on this particular uh, aspect happening. It's unusual to be on there this long. And it's been described something similar to a schism in the the mind. You may be seeing more of a schism effect between the Gemini polarity. And if you think about this mythologically, this is Castor and Pollux. This is Cain and Abel in the Bible. And there was a schism between the brothers and one killed the other. You know, this is, we're looking at it mythologically as well. And I, I think, and that's how I'm seeing this as, as playing out with part of this mass formation psychosis. There's the good qualities of a sign and there's the negative qualities. And I think we're going to see a lot of positive things come out of Mars and Gemini if you're, if you're paying attention. But I think a lot of people... Um, and, and I like something Shannon said to me um, 
earlier was that you're, you're going to see a kamikaze behavior. You know, it's going to they're they're going to do things that are destructive to themselves um, when this happens, and, and it could it could it could have long term effects. But you're going to see a part of the degradation. Uh, happening with this effect. And another factor that's really significant is that it's going to be squaring <laughs> Neptune the entire retrograde. And that's probably one of the most challenging aspects in all of astrology because Neptune is, um, well, it's the sign that rules Pisces and it's it's the mystery in some ways, but on an energetic level, it makes things very uh, uh, nebulous. There's a, there's a fog or a haze or a disconnection or a disassociation even. So to have a dissociative, a challenging aspect to Mars, which is already volatile, can be really dangerous. And then it reminds me of what Russell was talking about earlier, the sort of collective formation psychosis and mass formation psychosis. I don't know if maybe some of the listeners haven't heard that term, but it's basically like, you know, when whole societies believe something that's not true, it's really a form of collective mental illness. Sadly, that is from where we're standing, what we're really experiencing and what we're really seeing. So what you see as an effect of this is there through this mental formation, uh, mass psychosis is there's this schism is played out through this process and the mind becomes disorganized and it's going to reorganize according to a new reorganizing principles. And this is what's going to affect the new world order. A lot of people are not going to know what to believe and they're going to believe in the power and the authority offered to them by those who think that they know what's happening. The ones that are creating all the, a lot of this nonsense. And it's going to create a schism between the two, the, the have and the have nots. They're going to see this happening uh, in, in, in many different interesting ways coming out, playing out in the future. Yeah. So. I mean, on a positive level, it's so uh, when Mars is retrograde, we are reassessing our direction. Anytime a planet's retrograde, it's a time of review and Mars is our direction. It's our motivation. It's what we're, what we're putting into motion, what we're, our will willing into being. So with it's retrograde in Gemini, there might be a lot of people starting to question things that they weren't willing to look at before. Gemini is the news. It's the information. And it's about, being more curious. It's about looking at things from both sides, right? The, the twins, duality. So we might find that people are saying, you know, I, I don't know that this path that I was on is really where I need to be going anymore. And I, I might need to like reassess and I might need to do my homework and I might need to listen to my, my friend that I thought was so crazy, or, you know, I might want to, maybe there's something to some of um, this other side of the coin. So we might find that some people that we thought would never really wake up and look at things from both sides are having awakenings. And then whenever, whenever Mars finally goes direct again, there's sort of a, a renewal of clarity of direction. I see this being offered like, like two pathways, you know, we're going to be a, a major path being offered to us. We come to a fork in the road and there's going to be a narrow path over here. And we're going to have to take the path less traveled if you know what you're doing, because the, the comfortable, easy path is going to be the schism in the road that we are being forced. And unfortunately, will lead a lot of people down this other direction. Another thing is that, you know, Mars is all about individuation. Like who am I? It's ruler of Aries. It's the first sign of the Zodiac. So when it's in retrograde motion, there's a natural questioning, you know, there can be some sort of insecurities. And when we're talking Gemini, that's the mind and the mind is everything. And so there can be this sort of 
need to reassess, like, what are the scripts? What are the, what are the tapes I'm playing in the back of my consciousness all the time? And are they productive or are they limiting? And am I ignoring some things because it, you know, it's too painful or scary to look at. So it may be this invitation to also to reboot the, the consciousness and to reform the belief system and to start to try to tune into the larger story instead of getting stuck in the personal story that's really only focused on myself. You know, Aries is all about me, right? It's what I'm doing and what I want. And again, we're not at this place in, in history that we can really just be orienting from that place. So that's, a, that's another way in which I can see this could be really, really beneficial, but, but it, it can, Mars is, Mars is very fiery. And when it's not expressing itself the way that it likes to, like Mars likes to uh, be in action. It likes to work out and to run. And whenever the energy is turned inside, and especially with Gemini, which is mental, there can be a tendency to feel uh, more anxious and to feel more off-center. So there'll be really important to slow down a little bit, to be more conscious, because also with Neptune, we can't really see where we're going. And so it's sort of that, that energy of, um, th- almost like an eclipse. It's like, wow, things are just surreal right now. And everything feels like sort of off kilter. And so we're going to have to sort of learn to navigate these waters. And with Mars entering Gemini tomorrow, we'll start to get some hints at what to expect for whenever it actually goes retrograde, because it'll be entering that sign. It's leaving Taurus where it's been for the last month and a half, and it's going to enter. So it's going to speed up and it's going to, we're going to probably feel really busy in our mind. And then when it goes retrograde, it's going to make potentially feel like, oh my gosh, there's so much energy. Yeah. Thanks for giving, I was going to ask that question like, oh, what's the gift or what's the opportunity? Cause there always is, I know in these times that we're in with all of these challenging energies, it can you know, feel a little scary or heavy, but like, you know, again, um, there's always, it's, we're coming through it for, for our growth, for our healing, for our shift. And so I like that you guys always kind of bring that balance approach when you're sharing things. Thanks. Oh, for sure. I mean, again, you know, my favorite saying is we don't just wake up in the morning and be like, Hey, it's a great day to evolve. I think I'll heal today. No, it's through these aspects that come in and sort of shock us or through some kind of discomfort or, you know, process that we're sort of thrust into. That's the, the hero's journey that we talk about so often. It's, it's, it's part of the evolutionary journey. That's natural, just like nature, right? We, we don't have summer without winter. We always are going to go into a place where the lights are out or we have to let go and dissolve. And then we always know that spring will return and that the Phoenix will fly from the ashes, usually from a higher vantage point with more awareness and more freedom. And I wake up, uh, you know, every day going, okay, what's going on in the simulation again, what's happening in holographic reality or, or am I in which, what level am I now? How deep am I in, <laughs> into this contraption? That's why I wake up and look at reality. So it's like, I do take the bigger picture and I have to come down and ground and say, Oh, what's happening on the, you know, down on the personal level and whatnot. But I, I love to play with those dynamics and be able to see both sides of, of that coin, you know? I got like a flashback of like um, Game of Thrones, like winter is coming, like, (laughs) you know, they'd have like a big period of time, you know, like, I think because we've been in, you know, summer for so long that we forget like, oh, yeah, there's a whole season of winter that comes and, you know, that can be this prolonged, you know, years long time that we're in. But because we'd been in like summer for so long where everything just seemed to 
be so easy and flourishing that we forget that you well, know this is an important necessary cycle. You might want to consider this like we're moving into the late fall winter of humanity right now. So we're coming to the end of a larger uh, capitalistic growth cycle that has been experienced since the you know about the 1950s like after the end of the first world war the, the boomer generation it's brought this about and unfortunately the, the, the dynamics that, that drove this mechanism are changing massively very quickly and they're being recognized. People are looking at this and say, they can't go on like this, you know, practically or, or, or financially that the world is, is out of balance. So the writing, the shifting, the rebalancing of that is what we're awakening to right now and how dramatic that it's, it's really going, it's going to have to be. I'm listening to open conversations on a larger geopolitical level now talking about we may see the deaths of, of 2 billion people in the, in the coming uh, next four to five years. And that's, that's they're being talking about how that's going to change the balance of the East and the West and, and however that plays out. So these are conversations that I weren't when was not tuning into just two years ago. And now it's being openly discussed in mainstream channels that we're, we could see a, a humanity on the brink of academic change because of what's happening on the ground right now. Which brings <laughs> me to, you know, the, fi it's all good. the final, <laughs> this is where we have to yeah, be. It's all good. This is where we have to be grounded. We into, got this. <laughs> grounded into, yes, our, our eternal nature, right? This is where <laughs> it's really important that we sort of, uh, you know, <laughs> remember that piece is, is the, the guiding force. But yeah, what I was going to say, just the, the aspect that we have been slowly inching towards since 2020 is this Pluto entering Aquarius. You know, everybody's like, when does, when do we really, when does the new age really start? Nobody really knows for sure, but it definitely feels like we're, we have arrived. However, Pluto entering Aquarius will happen March 23rd, 2023. As a reminder, um, it's going to dip its toes into Aquarius, and and on the, on the note of what, what Russell was sort of sharing, Pluto rules death and rebirth. Aquarius is humanity, right? So it is possible that we're going to see some unprecedented things. The last time that Pluto, because of course astrology is a history of cycles, the last time it entered Aquarius, which was 248 years ago, was the French Revolution, the American Revolution. Two cycles ago, 500 years ago, was when we came over and pretty much destroyed the Native Americans. So we're talking massive change through death and rebirth. So we're like just months away from that entry right now. It's only going to stay there for about five or six months, and then it's going to retrograde back to the 29th degree of Capricorn, which is known as the death degree. The 29th degree <laughs> is the last sign, is the last degree of the sign, and Capricorn is the the old guard. It's the it's the hierarchical system. It's it's the everything the globalist everything that's we're transforming, but it's going to dance back and forth over the zero Aquarius point and the death the 29th degree of Capricorn for. A year and a half, actually, um, before it moves fully into Aquarius. And so, you know, the backdrop too, we didn't mention it too much today, is that Saturn, which rules Capricorn, has been squaring Uranus. You know, we've really focused on Uranus, which is the future and revolution and innovation and progress and technology. It's been squared by Saturn for a year and a half now, which is, you know, the foundation of the old world. And so they're squaring off. So with Pluto entering Aquarius and then Saturn's actually going to leave 
Aquarius and move into Pisces, we're going to see a lot of change coming right around the corner for next year. What, what, what I'm seeing when we're talking about this is you can, you can see this figuratively with what actually happened 240 years ago. The old guard, the thousand year empire of France, that was the, the height of the golden age, came to an end. They were, the nobles were sent, literally waiting at the death degree, the, the, the old guard, to be beheaded in the coming years. And this began to happen. And this was, this was symbolically how you can see the massive amount of change. It changed the face of Europe when this occurred. It just brought about one level of change and consolidated empire into fewer hands. Um, and, and you're going to see the consolidation effect of that happening, consolidating power into fewer hands again as we move into this next Pluto and Aquarius cycle. It's already, we're already seeing that happening with the World Economic Forum and the, um, the global restructuring that's, that's beginning to occur. Well, we'll definitely have to have you back towards the end of this year or the beginning of next year to talk about all of that stuff that's coming up. Yeah. It's going to be a party. <laughs> Not like it's 1999, though. Huh? Apocalypse party, yo. We, we signed up for it. It's like, <laughs> well, I, the good news, I mean, just in closing on a high note, is that we, yes, are straddling the ages, but we're also straddling the dimensional states. And when we align our frequency, which you spoke to so beautifully, Tiana, with the sort, the one source energy, then we tap into ourself as creators, and we unify and we work as an organism, then we will be creating an alternative reality. While this level of third dimensional matrix is going at it and doing all of its chaotic destruction, we have to understand that it's necessary, that it's part of the alchemical process, and we don't have to be subject to, to it necessarily. So this is where we... we um, get to operate in this higher frequency state and to benefit from all the work that we've done to achieve that. Thank you for ending it on a high note. Yeah, that's lovely. And it, it, it kind of corresponds with, I heard Diana, do you know who Diana Cooper is? Mm -mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, she was talking about the 20, the, the time between 2020 and 2030 being like this massive time of shift and change and kind of almost like it seemed almost too early for me, but like how kind of like the new earth, you know, happening by 2030, but she speaks really positively without really saying like what needs to happen in order, you know, but it's nice because she focused on, but yes, anyway, she was saying like, yeah, you probably shouldn't make any travel plans for uh, next year or, <laughs> but, but talking a lot about like what you're saying about how things are going to shift locally because we need to, you know, yeah produce our food locally and do more things locally and, and not think anyway, I could go on the whole another thing. Cause I, I had a question before, but I know that our episodes really long already, but I was thinking of the weird, you know, because on one hand, Russ was talking about, you know, like having the, I can't remember, he called it like one world kind of um, currency or whatnot. I was thinking about like the, on one hand, we're, we're going to be shifting into all of these things locally. But on the other hand, we'd have like our financial stuff being what it's, I don't know. I'm still working through the, the, those two opposites, how those like come together in this new earth that we're creating on one hand being very like local, as we we're saying, um, in communities, but on the other hand, being very global and collective, like. I think people are going to have choices to make and it's, it's, I think it's, almost impossible to know what choice you will make until we get to that juncture. 
But if the plan rolls out the way that it's been sort of intended, if you don't follow the agenda, if you don't, you know, jump through the hoops and do all the things, then you can be turned off. You can be, you cannot have access to all of the resources, all of the, you know, societal programs. And so therefore people who are making the choice not to plug in to that uh, matrix will have their own level of existence and their own level of society, which is why if that's truly going to be a choice or an option, we really have to resource locally and we have to create that. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. I like what you said about like, yeah, I mean, when we reach that point, then we make the decision. Because again, a lot of times we're like, oh, how is this all going to play out? What right. do I need to do? And then um, that's what I keep, the message I keep getting back when I plug in into my own higher consciousness is that like, let it unfold and trust right. and know that you are supported and you are aligned and you are connected. And that's what I keep coming back to. But there is that part that always wants to like <laughs> figure it out and be, be prepared. But yeah, it's going to be total other paradigm in a lot of ways that we can't from our consciousness now necessarily plan for. Yeah. This is the part of the centering work that we tune out all of what we just talked about, all the, where the planets are, where all the nonsense is. We tune out and we find center. And in that center manifestation is where we do the creative work to, to manifest that actual parallel reality in which we are trying to describe now here. So it, it exists on another plane already. We just have to access it. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're doing here is the understanding the alchemy of accessing what already has been made manifest. Yeah, just attuning, aligning our frequencies to that, which is our dream to bring it into form. The intersection of the past and the future into the now. Yeah. Beautiful. That's the real work. That's the inner real work right there. Mm -hmm. in, 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 in yes, the definitely. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for coming on and taking the time to talk with us. And, um, you know, it's always so helpful and informative and our listeners just love you guys. So can you let everyone know where they can find you? Absolutely. Uh, my website is the place, certainly if anybody was interested in a, a session or reading or coaching and it's shannonleegill.com and it's L E I. Um, my parents were smoking a lot of weed back in the seventies when they named me, I think that says lay, but anyway, Shannon Lee Gill. Um, and then we have the shift foundation, which is the shift foundation.org, which is more about our events and our workshops our retreats and our community work that we also do. And then Russell, if you're interested in any of the things I've put out occasionally, uh, I'm at von Olhausen.org and Olhausen is O-H-L-H-A-U-S-E-N. Those nine letters. So um, find me there. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much again. Well, thanks you guys for thank having you. us Wonderful on. Being yeah, on. we're so honored and we thank appreciate you. it very much. It's always great to have you guys on. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to say thank you very much to Shannon Gill and Russell von Olhausen for taking the time to talk with us and for sharing their gifts and knowledge with us. If you'd like to have a session with Shannon, you can find her online at shannonleegill.com and Lee is spelled L-E-I. You can find out more about Russell at vonolhausen.org. And that's spelled V-O-N-O-H-L-H-A-U-S-E-N. And they both can be found at theshiftfoundation.org. Big thanks to our executive producer, Tiana Roser. Music by Casey Henson. 
editing, production, and narration by Tim Howe. For more information or to access past episodes, please visit beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast, please remember to subscribe and leave a rating. This will help other people find us. Take care.